Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Working all day in the sun Big boss man got a big shotgun Don't take my shovel Gonna cut off on my big toe If I can't walk I won't have to work no more We do still have to work though <laughs> and, uh, Welcome to the show Another okay. edition of After Hours with Tifo and Luby. I'm Jeff DeForest. He is Michael Luby Lubitz, and happy to be with you on the Believe Podcast Networks. This is one of our favorites here to start things out, yes, and college football always very much in the news, especially this time of year in the aftermath of the conference championship games and the, the final uh, confirmation of who is going to be in the Final Four and where they all ranked. We welcome one of our favorites when it comes to covering college football. Been with us as a guest okay. and an analyst on our shows for a long, long time uh, since he started out, I, I think, in the garage with uh, <laughs> an old school computer and uh, started cranking out college football news and the downers were there, but he managed to persist and uh, now has a monster on his hands here, the uh, editor-in-chief and uh, the owner of College Football News, Peter Futak, with us here on the show. Uh, Peter, uh, good to have you on the program. I, I know this is your time of year. It's, a, it's always our time of year. How you guys been? How's everything going? Doing well, sir. How are you? Everything's going well. I mean, it's great to have you here on After Hours on the uh, Believe Podcast Network. Uh, all right. Uh, many things happening. And uh, we explored this theory before the Georgia game, uh, Alabama against Georgia, which uh, came as a huge surprise to many people that not only would Alabama win, they, they went in as six to a half point underdogs. First time they've been a dog since like 2015. And they go in, and uh, we, we developed a theory, never bet against the devil. Uh, never bet against Nick Saban. Now, they looked like garbage offensively. I mean, they were annihilated, it seemed like, for 58 and a half minutes by Georgia in, in the previous ball game. They were life and death to beat a very weak University of Florida team that, that ended up firing its head coach during the course of the season and uh, didn't even let him uh, you know, be on the sideline there. I guess he could have coached the FSU game, which also uh, was not exactly uh, sizzling and uh, compelling action. Uh, so it didn't look like much of a team, uh, the Florida Gators. They almost lost to them. Um, and, and what were their chances of beating Georgia? And yet, if you bet against the devil, Nick Saban, you, you often end up uh, going out in a body bag yourself. And they managed <laughs> to pull it off and annihilate Georgia. First of all, Peter, how much of a surprise was that to you, that result, if at all? And uh, where does that leave us with regard to Alabama, who once again ends up the season when they look to be vulnerable, as the number one seed in the college football playoff and with the leading candidate, odds-on favorite, I guess, now to win the Heisman Trophy? Well, I picked Alabama, so I wasn't that shocked. Okay. I, okay. I, it just, look, it's Alabama. They're good. <laughs> you know, they, they've they got talent. I mean, as always. It, you're right. So it, it, the thing about Alabama, though, and this is kind of going to be an interesting thing going forward, is 
you're right. This is still the same team that needed to go 97 yards to get off of uh, three points against Auburn. It's the team that struggled against Florida and struggled to put away Arkansas and LSU. And, you know, this was really just kind of okay uh, for most of the year. But they kind of kept winning because, again, it's a very good team. It's, it, it, but still, it's got to be kind of remembered that this was a rebuild in so many ways. I mean, you don't lose you know, a Heisman Trophy receiver. And the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots, and uh, Jalen Waddle, and a bunch of guys off your offensive line, and a key part, key part to your defense, and you know all the different things that happened this year. That even for Alabama, it does take you know sometimes a little while for things to get going. But now let's see going forward because that was a desperate team uh, that had to win that game. Uh, against Georgia, and Georgia is already in. I mean, I know they wanted to win the SEC championship, so I didn't try. Uh, but let's see what happens going forward. I don't think Cincinnati is that great, but, you know, again, Alabama struggled against a whole lot of mediocre teams. So let's see what they do in this. I think Alabama wins, but then I think Georgia beats Michigan. I, I think this Georgia team is better than it showed uh, against Alabama, and I think that might be the type of thing that, not that they need to be fired up even more, but the, the talent there, I think, is about to rise up as well. I think that defense is about to uh, do something pretty big in this college football playoff. This is After Hours with Defoe and Luby here on the Believe Podcast Network talking a little college football with college football news publisher, the one and only Peter Futek. Follow him, hit him up on Twitter, at Pete Futek, F-I-U-T-A-K. All right, Pete, staying there, you sort of touched on it. Georgia is Definitely better than how they played. Alabama's probably a little bit less than what they showed, but they're Alabama, like you said. What happened to Georgia? <laughs> like, I, I get it. Alabama's tough for them, and Smart has this thing with Saban. And like you said, they were already in the playoff by all accounts. They got killed and still made the playoffs. But that was weird. Like, that defensive line is the best in the country by a lot. And they got and the Alabama offensive line supposedly is weaker than it's been in years. And they didn't get near Bryce Young. Like, from what you saw in that game, what happened to the Georgia defense in that game? Uh, I think Bryce Young happened. I, yeah. I think that was, you know, the moment that everyone, right, there's nobody, there's no real Heisman candidates out there. And the only one who could really pull this off would have been Young had he had a big game and he had a big game. And he, he was great. And again, I think, he, it's, I know it sounds kind of corny, but I think the intensity level, and just the, the focus and everything, it, it was almost like I, I, I kind of equated it to an NBA team that just knew it was good, knew it just needed to get in the playoffs. Then once it gets to the five seed, that then, then it's like, okay, we got here. We, we did what we needed to do. Now it's time to turn it on. It almost kind of felt like once Alabama got there, got the 11 and one and got past Auburn and just, that now it's time to kind of turn up a few notches. So I think that was more Alabama being great than Georgia being bad. Uh, the one thing I still worry about with Georgia, though, is I do not believe in Stetson Bennett. I just He's a nice college quarterback. He's played great this year behind a fantastic line. But that was the first time all year that he had to play under stress. And he was okay for a while, and then once he had to press, problems happened. So let's see what happens going forward because that certainly wasn't a great game for him. And like you said, that was not a great game for that Georgia defense. That was a whole lot better than it just showed. 
Peter Futsak, College Football News, with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby here on the Believe Podcast Networks. Uh, there's often speculation, and uh, there was a lot of it uh, leading up to the final announcement, which uh, seemed to be kind of etched in stone, I guess. Yeah. There was some question whether Michigan might eclipse Alabama. Uh, well, actually, they were ahead of them uh, originally, but Alabama's win over Georgia in convincing fashion. I don't think anybody could argue with Alabama being the number one seed. So you were going to have Michigan and Georgia then matched up at two and three, and when Oklahoma State lost, there was no way, I mean, no conceivable way for the committee, no matter how much uh, cash it had changed hands in <laughs> attache cases at clandestine meetings by the networks who wanted to dodge having Cincinnati taking on Alabama. And uh, there was no way to leave them out of the equation there. And it's, you know, one of those things where you wonder, I mean, how hard were the committee, uh, to what extent would they have gone, in your opinion, Peter Futak, to drop Cincinnati from the Final Four had Oklahoma State won its ballgame? <laughs> I think it would have been a, at least a coin flip, but it would have probably been the right thing to do. Look, I, I, I actually kind of think that the committee, first of all, the committee doesn't care, you know, in terms of that when it comes to ratings, it comes to that. So I know you're joking and everything, but that 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 is a belief that all oh, the oh they they have it out for the group of five teams and they had it out for Cincinnati and they they don't like them and all stuff. The reality is they look at the heart. They, they look at things with a fine-tooth comb. This is not the AP or the coaches' polls that you just kind of have rant, you know, people who don't really watch all of college football because they're busy doing their jobs on a given Saturday. They, they, they ha- the committee has to look at each team individually when they do each and every aspect of that ranking. And the problem with Cincinnati is it had one good win. You know, it, it beat Notre Dame. But it's not quite fair to the power, even as is, it's not quite fair to the power five teams. For example, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State had to beat the 10th-ranked Oklahoma team, and then they had to beat the 8th-ranked Baylor team. What did, what did Cincinnati have to do? They had to beat East Carolina, and then they had to beat Houston. Like, it's just not the same. It's not the same as Alabama having to play Georgia, and you know Michigan had to beat uh, Ohio State and Iowa. And before that, they had to get by Penn State. And they lost to Michigan State. So, so the problem with Cincinnati is, and this is kind of the committee's argument, which would have been, like, well, they just don't have a schedule. They just really, really did not play anybody other than Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame being undefeated, I think this, or outside of the loss to Cincinnati, I think made this a little more palatable. But look, now they're in. You know, so now, let's see. You know, it's not going to be cute just to say, oh, look, they competed with, you know, Alabama. No, no, you're in, you're in the college football playoff. There, there is no little engine that could thing happening at this point. You're one of the four best teams. Go beat Alabama, Cincinnati. You've got the call. Go do something. Do you believe, Peter Futak, that this will be representative of the clubbing of seals <laughs> when Alabama gets its hands on Cincinnati, knowing that if they just uh, go ahead and do anything close to what they did against Georgia. They will win this game by 40 points I, and uh, find themselves against the survivor of Georgia and Michigan. I, I, I Here's my crazy take, and we're you know several weeks out from this actually happening. I actually think Cincinnati has a better shot of beating Alabama than Michigan has of beating Georgia. Oh, wow. I just, wow. I, we think just Kind of like you wow. just said before. <laughs> well, just like we just said before, there's that part of me that still thinks that, you know, that Alabama team was not, they, they were great against Ole Miss. And then who else of any note did they really rimrock? I yeah. mean, 
You know, they, they were, again, the, the problems against LSU, the problems against Arkansas, the big problems against Auburn. And look, you know, that's not exactly, Auburn's not exactly a game that you look past if you're Alabama. So, okay, they had the one shining moment where they were amazing against Georgia. I, there's still problems with that offensive line. You know, there's still, you know, you still have issues. John Mechie's ACL is torn. You know, they, the defense still lapses at times and kind of takes a nap. You know, so I, I don't think Cincinnati's going to win. And obviously, I'm not going to pick anybody again. I'm not going to pick against Alabama and something like this. But I, I just, I still, there's a part of me that still thinks, like, kind of like you said, all right, Alabama, we saw you all year. Maybe you just had that one really big performance. Let's see what you can do now in this. We are talking with Peter Futak. College football analyst, college football writer, with us on After Hours with Defoe and Luby here on the Believe Podcast Network. All right, Peter, I want to switch gears. We are out of South Florida, but it did become national news, both positively and negatively. The search that wasn't, that of course was, that ended in the firing of Manny Diaz and the hiring of Mario Cristobal. Uh, Two part, first, how did you take all of that in as it was widely reported and you have never shut any of it down? Uh, go, the getting of Cristobal, and then also, what is your take on UM going big, getting their guy, and now having a legit head coach? Something they really haven't had in a long time. I guess you know, Cristobal was there. You could have been made that he should have been hired the first time around. We didn't want to take the gig. I mean, look, you know, he was good at Oregon. You know, he got him. He won two Pac-12 championships, and he won another. But if you're hiring him, it's it, you're, you're expecting return to glory at Miami. You know, is, is Cristobal going to bring that? I, look, I, I yes, you had to do something because the, to keep up with everyone else. Uh, if you're Miami, you want to change things up. You want to be good again. I kind of thought Diaz, you know, and his team did a great job this year. I mean, all things considered, you lose Derek King early. It looks like it's a lost year. The defense isn't great, and they fought hard. You know, if here's how crazy college football is look you know how close were they i think didn't the, the shot hit the upright against north carolina as a field a game-winning field goal yep. you know if that goes a few inches the other way you know things might be a little different right now because records matter you know so that team did fight really really hard for, through manny diaz uh over that that stretch so but let's see all right you've got the you've got the, the big time coach you've got the big time commitment uh, you're trying to keep up in the crazy arms race, and certainly, you know, when you got Napier going up to Florida and making it, giving that big move, uh, you want to do something in the state to, to make sure you're keeping up. And uh, so let's see, you got Cristobal, and he's going to be a great recruiter, and now you're expecting at least, you know, an ACC championship level program at this point now, especially since Clemson is starting to look vulnerable. Did you not find that Mario Cristobal, uh, as all coaches can be at times, especially uh, being subjected as they are to the second and third guesses uh, of fans and uh, with a widespread uh, criticism uh, coming quickly on social media and Twitter and things like that, but uh, did you not think that Mario Cristobal was guilty of some really poor decisions in big games that he made, which was uh, not uncharacteristic of Manny Diaz, who we thought blew a couple of situations that might have made a difference you know, just a clear-cut difference in a couple of the games that he lost this year. 
it depends on who you are and what your status in the, is in the world. Because you could point to so many different things. You could point to Nick Saban making mistakes here and there where you, you kind of question things. But, like, it, every coach has questionable decisions. Uh-huh. It, it's really an overall body of work. And it really is, did you win enough? And college, the, the co- coaching carousel and all the college coaching thing is so freaking weird. <laughs> I mean, you lose a couple – look at Dan Mullen. You know, last year at this exact time, you know, they were still in the college football playoff hunt as of, I think, you know, what, 367 days ago or whatever it was. And then yeah. you had that weird loss to LSU. And then they took an epic all-timer Alabama team right to the edge in that great SEC championship game. And then he loses everybody who takes off early. And then so they didn't have anybody to play a fired-up Oklahoma team. And then this year, a couple of losses in a row, and all of a sudden he can't coach anymore. You know, so, and then meanwhile, if you beat Michigan, it, you know, you're Mel Tucker, you get $95 million. Like it's, (laughs) it's, it's the craziest thing, this coaching world. So all these big, gigantic, mega, you know, epic contracts for college football head coaches. And we know how this works. Look, the first time Brian Kelly loses two games in a row, LSU's going to want him fired. <laughs> you know, look at Jimbo yes. Fisher at, at Texas A&M. You know, he got, he's been great. They, they probably should have been in the college football playoff last year. Now Aggie fans are like, oh, he can't coach anymore. They just lost LSU. Like, it, it, it's just the weirdest, weirdest aspect of American society, this college football coaching stuff. And so, look, you know, Manny Diaz, did he come back? Next year, Miami probably put, would have been pretty good. You know, Mario Cristobal got whacked twice by Utah, and yet his team was still pretty, being able to beat Ohio State. It's just teams lose in college football. You can't win every game, but that's what college football fans expect. The great Peter Futsang with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Jeff DeForest, Michael Luby Lubitz on the Believe Podcast Networks. Uh, do you have any inside information uh, or any of your people, reporters on the scene, able to dig up uh, how it is that Brian Kelly developed a Cajun accent between the time <laughs> like that he week. left Notre Dame, where he was speaking like uh, one of the popes yeah. uh, you know, in, in the past, and all of a sudden he's talking like he was Eddie Delahousse getting ready to ride a horse at Santa Anita. Eddie O. <laughs> Man, he, you're right. That's, he is a, uh, he, he's interesting. It, it, the weirdest part about this is that it's not like people seem all that upset that he left. Um, yeah. he, he was a, yeah, yeah, obviously he was great. The all time winningest coach, uh, at, uh, at Notre Dame, but they kind of wanted more. They kind of wanted, uh, they, they wanted uh, national championships there. They want something bigger and better and all that. You know, so when he left, especially the way he left, and especially because Marcus Freeman, I mean, there's nobody who has a bad word and or anything other than just total glowing uh, respect for the Marcus Freeman. And so there's just kind of a, a breath of fresh air sort of sense that, all right, this is kind of a, you know, we've done what we could do under Brian Kelly, but now we've got our pivot. We've got a guy who could be an absolute superstar. Uh, we'll see. It seems a little underwhelming, and that's Brian Kelly. I don't know why you would take the LSU gig uh, because you can't lose. I mean, they're that fan base, and I've heard it every time you talk to anybody from LSU, any of the radio stations I've been on with there, 
it's like, hey, we've won three national championships with three different coaches in recent history. That's the expectation, is that Brian Kelly needs to win the national championship there or else. You know, so they have he has to be great. Now, he's done got a real key start with hiring on Frank Wilson as, a, as an assistant head coach. That There's your recruiter. There's your guy who knows Louisiana. So, yeah, start with him. Uh, and then just it's LSU. You'll get the talent level up and see what Brian Kelly can do from there. Uh, Peter, talking about the coaching carousel and a guy who was great yet didn't win, to be brutally honest, at a big-time program, going to another big-time program. What are your thoughts on Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma, which 100% is a destination job, and they were going to pay him to go to USC sort of in the dark of the night. You talk about a guy who left. He didn't even give his players really any time. Um, what was your thought about Lincoln Riley leaving OU to then go to USC? Yeah, USC is bigger. You know, it's just, I think on a national scale, people just kind of gloss over what a massive job that is. Uh, it's, it's LA, it's the Pac 12, it's USC. It's, you know, you're, it's, it's the reason why, like, why, why would, why would Brian Kelly take the LSU job where you're beating your head against the wall, uh, against, you know, Alabama and Auburn and now Arkansas and Ole Miss and everything that is the SEC where he can't go 10 and 2. Well, you can't really go 10 and 2 if you're USC either, but, you know, the difference between you're going against, really, you're going against Utah. You could, you can beat Utah through USC. You can beat Colorado and Arizona. And it's, a, it's a different animal. It's L.A., so it's just bigger there. He's, he's getting paid better than any head coach in the city of Los Angeles. And you can you can instantly turn that around. That is one of those powerhouse jobs that it, it's just a – I know Oklahoma is Oklahoma, but USC is just kind of a overall a bigger gig, especially right now. In a, in a name, image, and likeness world, where if you can get guys who oh, want yeah. to, who are top end players, and you have the city of Los Angeles to help, uh, pretty much pay your players for you. Uh, there you go. I mean, it's just a the mix of stuff that you have at USC, including again a much easier conference than the SEC, which is what obviously Oklahoma's going to be in the next few years. Uh, it's just a, a, a much, much stronger gig than just about anything else you could get. Peter Futak, College Football News. Who do you like in the Potato Bowl, by the way? <laughs> Kent State, Wyoming. I'm thinking about uh, getting involved uh, as Wyoming. early as uh, like you. What you laugh like the twenty first. That could be like that could be like seventy five, seventy two. That could actually be one of the. Yeah, more I'm inclined fun to take games. the over there. I was going to ask you. <laughs> That's funny. You, 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 exactly. I mean, Kent State and their flash fast offense, and Wyoming can run. That that thing is going to be an up and down crazy shootout. At least that's what we're hoping for in the bowl game. They just and that's what you want. I I, I know you joke it just but like look, the, you don't want defensive slugfests in these bowl games. You want you know, you want two teams that are going to like put up you know thirty points and fight back and forth. But this is the weirdest bowl season ever because we don't. It, it, and I know so many people are trying to put together all their bowl projections and their bowl games and all the. Uh, the bowl previews and everything, and you can't do it because you have no idea who's playing. The coaching carousel keeps getting weird. I mean, you keep having coaches who are changing, even like you know subtle moves, like you know Jay Norvell leaving Nevada for uh, for Colorado State, which seems sort of lateral. But Nevada is a team that 
It was really good with a really big offense. Carson Strong is a NFL caliber quarterback. You might not be. You just you don't know in these bowl games until they actually play. And like then you get the weirder stuff in your neck of the woods. Like what the heck is Florida going to be? You know, in any other time, that team just trounces this UCF team. But I don't know. Is they make the Gators going to rise up and play this week or in a couple of weeks from now? It's just, you know, this is just a, an impossible bowl game to try, bowl season to try to figure out. I'll give you one cinch or a cinch of uh, the year. It's annual, especially if this team, uh, the home team, is in the game, the Hawaii Bowl, with Hawaii in it, getting five and a hook, in this case from Memphis. And we're wondering at what point during the week leading up to the bowl game will we see the Memphis quarterback diving off the fourth story of the hotel off uh, a room balcony into the swimming pool? And uh, will the coach show up uh, with a pineapple on his head uh, for Memphis? Because it seems like uh, whatever team is having a traveler is in a hopeless spot to try and beat the home team in that game. Because uh, the, the uh, obvious temptation of going out there and having a good time in Hawaii, just too much uh, for a visiting team in that spot. What do you think? Kind of with you. I mean, it, it's yeah. look, it's, <laughs> Every year we talk to him. Not everyone it's like New Year's to, Eve every night not, for those not ha- in the Hawaii Bowl. Not everyone has to travel to Boise, Idaho. There are some destinations there are a tad bit better than others. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, uh, how can people uh, get a hold of all of the great stuff that's in college football news? That's uh, on collegefootballnews.com. All of the bowl previews are going to start rolling out uh, as we speak. And uh, here we go with the sprint for a couple weeks. And then all of a sudden, that's it. There's your season. And uh, it's been a fun one, especially after, you know, 2020, which was so weird and so bizarre. And, you know, all the. the struggles and everything like this. This is, this is fun this year. This, is, this was a, a good year for college football. Been a very entertaining year of uh, college football, no question about it. Peter, always a pleasure, my friend. Great Thank having you, you on After Hours here on the Believe Have Podcast good, Network. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Peter Futak, College Absolutely Football good. News Have with us one. here Thanks, on Pete. After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Uh, he went, uh, what, just the opposite of what we think? Yes, 100% the opposite. Seems like everybody's doing it. Although uh, he believes Cincinnati will be in that game against Alabama, and he believes that Georgia will annihilate Michigan, which uh, I believe is coming into this game with all the momentum, having beaten Ohio State and Iowa in back-to-back efforts. And uh, now, uh, you know, going against a Georgia team that had to be somewhat deflated by. Don't don't you have to look in the mirror after a game like that against Alabama when, uh, I don't know, did they choke in that game? Yes. Or were they just not that good? Now, see, that's the thing is, I love this. We have to go one way or the other. Georgia's unbeatable. They're never going to lose ever. Oh, now Georgia stinks. Their schedule was weak, and they didn't deserve it. It's in the middle. I think they were really good, but maybe not unbeatable, as we just saw. But they still are good, and their schedule was tough. They played the SEC teams that we all think are good, and they annihilated them, whereas Alabama struggled. They didn't. Georgia annihilated everyone. Problem is, their quarterback's eh. And their offense is sort of in. <laughs> like, they don't have great talent on the outside compared to uh, Alabama and even, like, LSU we've seen in uh, recent years. They like to run the ball. He likes to go old school 80s. When you're up by 30, that's great. The problem is if they get down, they're in trouble. I just don't see that happening versus Michigan. Now, to just think they're going to ruin them the other way, that's – and I like Peter. I, I just – I don't know. I, Michigan's played really well against really tough competition, and they remind me a lot of Georgia. They play really good up front. They have a really good defense front to back. They like to run the ball. And Harbaugh looks like the Harbaugh we saw at Stanford and at the Niners. He looks like a great coach again. So 
I, I think that's going to be a dog fight. I look really forward to that game. I'd give Georgia the slight lean. The seven and a half scares the hell out of me because Michigan is playing a lot better right now than Georgia. I'd be happy to take the seven and a hook there with the Wolverines. And find <laughs> what, uh, I really would. Peter Futak just told us, uh, and he warned us not to do it. And this is a guy that's been I publishing know, his own good. college football information for years now yeah. and had tremendous success. I mean, the evolution of college football news has been sensational. Yeah, it's big. Uh, even convinced uh, a cynic uh, who was not a fan of Peter Futak's, like our good friend, a professor, yep. who uh, comes on uh, the shows here and uh, is also on our Ion Channel show, our Degenerate Friday show. Yep. Ion Channel, by the way, for you guys that are fans of After Hours, you, you get the... During hours program (laughs) that we do uh, 7 to 9 Eastern live here on the uh, East Coast, originating out of South Florida, where uh, we had the big coaching change. Uh, You ask him about it. I'm I'm with uh, Peter Futek on that. Uh, As much as I would like to see Mario Cristobal come in here and bring the hurricane program back to the level of prominence they enjoyed. He sounded weird about the Mario thing. Like, I asked him a specific question to try and lay it up for the Canes, and he was like, yeah, they gave him the money. We'll see. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, they've made any number, a series of cosmetic moves in, in that regard, and none yeah. of them have worked out. Yeah. And uh, this latest one was supposed to do the same thing. They were going to put the uh, fence around the state of Miami and keep all the local recruits here. And Manny Diaz, a very convincing uh, gentleman, uh, if you speak to Manny Diaz, we've interviewed him a, a few times, times yeah. uh, on our shows. And uh, he he literally uh, seems to, you know, be the real deal, as they say, as the cliche goes. And, and you would think he could convince a lot of kids to stay and go to the University of Miami, which uh, has been the issue with virtually every coach, right? Randy Shannon was supposed to be able to do it. Uh, Al Golden, uh, you know, said he was going to do it. Uh, they weren't able to make it happen. Larry Coker, for some reason, was getting kids to stay, but apparently couldn't coach them or was getting the wrong guys while other schools were coming to South Florida and raiding the local uh, stockpile of talent that, that is here and on display all the time on a high school level. But uh, we'll see. I, I don't know if anybody can solve that problem. I, I, the mystery is where is the money coming from? Who is the secret benefactor? Do, do you really believe that Luther Campbell found some lost royalties from Me So Horny? And that's what's funding this. Well, my favorite new, is. I mean, windfall of cash that the University of Miami is able to lay out to find coaches and, and uh, elevate and escalate their, their football program well, to uh, previous glory. My favorite is the thing, and he said it yesterday. We had it on, right here on After Hours. Billy Corbin, the famed filmmaker, very South Florida-centric. Uh, said it, and it's what's been reported. Now, he, of course, had a Bailey Quarterman acerbic spin, but that U-Health had a great year. I don't know how $400 million is a year, but that's had such a great year that that's the money they're using. Oh, well, the COVID money. But why? Okay, so is that what it was? COVID? Of COVID-19, right? Is that what I'm people like? people hospitalized. Yeah. Okay, is that because U-Health has been around there a long time. Why now are they just having great years? I didn't realize COVID was like a big U-Health thing. Okay, well, that's supposedly oh, how I they're getting know. the money. Yeah, no, they cure cancer. <laughs> they do work. All right, we, we are, are not the people that are equipped to do that. So no. if you're afflicted with any kind of a serious uh, disease, uh, you don't want to no. tune in to us for advice. And if your disease is gambling, uh, well, I mean, uh, we people. do have some experts on. <laughs> but I'm thinking it's Roll Tide and Go Big blue yeah so yeah. Um, we could be over two on that one uh, in terms of point spreads i mean uh, yeah, obviously spread. it's uh, fairly easy to pick alabama over cincinnati straight up that takes no uh, particular intuition whatsoever but uh, do you lay 13 and a hook with nick saban the devil and uh, do you have the guts the balls to go out and take cincinnati on the money line if you think they can win that game which nobody seems to be of that opinion all right, uh, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we had a lot of fun Sir. being with you. Our thanks to Peter Futak, College Football News, for joining us here on After Hours. Catch our work, our regular hours, our uh, 7 to 9 Eastern on ION Channel, the Defoe Show. Tomorrow we have uh, what is called the Hylia Park Trivia Challenge. If you haven't played that, 
Uh, you'll enjoy that. You can Google the Defoe Show and uh, see all of the past episodes and uh, tune in for the live stuff, uh, audio and video streaming, so you get to see uh, what Luby and I look like. For Mike Luby Lubitz, I'm Jeff DeForest. Thanks. And remember, if you're listening to After Hours, you got to believe. Destination Sport Miami is here to revolutionize the sports landscape in South Florida. The largest indoor multifaceted sports complex in North America is on the way with distinguished leaders of its various sports programs and unparalleled access to the finest indoor training fields and facilities. Destination Sport Miami will set South Florida apart as the destination of choice for elite athletic training and development and for its dedication to youth programs and sports on all levels. A phenomenal concept and a powerful undertaking, Destination Sport Miami will also be an important commodity in the sports business community as well. Destination Sport Miami, it's time has come. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have their amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.